eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fib. We've got some recruiting notes to get through, transfer notes. Penn State Athletic Director search maybe wrapping up here in the next day or so. All that coming your way, but of course, Thursday marks the start of the 2022 NFL Draft, a three-day event down there in Las Vegas. Really impressive showing potentially for Penn State in this draft. We'll get to our predictions in a moment. But, Sean, I just wanted to lead in with this. Uh, Penn State, potential to produce their most draft picks in a single year since 1996 when they had 10 of them go. You've got them with nine Nittany Lions in seven rounds. I've got eight. Either way, uh, it's quite a group. It's quite a group. Um, and, and looking back, somebody posted that 96 class. Um, on our site earlier this week. That's a lot of dudes getting drafted. Um, Penn State continues to churn them out. Um, I think you're probably, as much as I hate to admit it, you're probably right in eight, but uh, I think the potential for nine is there. Um, you know, it's a, I think it would take a lot to get to 10, but yeah, Penn State's still doing well and um, producing with uh, with different ways of roster building. You look at the, you know, the number two guy, that, or at least the guy that we're projecting to go off the board second among Penn State guys, a transfer portal addition. You're looking at the potential top punter in the draft, a transfer portal addition. And then my guy, Derek Tangelo, who I'll talk way too much about later in this episode, also a transfer portal addition, uh, a Juco guy and in Jaquan in Brisker, uh, Pennsylvania guys, Maryland guys, Canadians. We got everything here in this draft. So uh, looking forward to it. Um, it, it is the culmination. Uh, you and I is covering these guys. It's the culmination of a, of a journey. Uh, and it's the start of another one for obviously for these guys. But uh, to think back to uh, these guys as freshmen and sophomores at camp to see them. And it's been a long, long time that these guys have been on our radar, uh, been through a lot, uh, you know, played some really good football, played a lot of football, a lot of these guys. And it's uh, it's been really cool to see that all that come to, to fruition for these uh, for these gentlemen. Yeah, the uh, last year with Oway and Parsons going off the board in Friarmouth was my first run experience here at Penn State with guys that I covered. They were recruiting pretty detailed and then saw them go out the other end and become millionaires. Um, you know, you obviously seen a bunch of classes come through and get to the draft. And you know, the one thing that you note here is all paths aren't created equally. You, you've got guys, a guy who took an international journey and, and you've got guys who went the Juco route. And then you've got some legitimate five-star and high four-star talent, top 100 recruits that we thought would be in this position. Now we'll get, we'll go through it because certain guys, their career trajectory is pointing one way or the other. And, you know, around one guy that, uh, that we thought would be in round one back in 2018, 2019, maybe didn't get there, but could still could get drafted. And Sean, we led off with the same, guy here um Jahan Dotson receiver Penn State uh Kansas City Chiefs number 30 we both wrote that down 
what made you go that way? I, I just want to see him get with a good quarterback. Uh, and there's a bunch of them at the end of that round. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. Uh, I got him going with Mahomes, though. I mean, you look at the situation and where else would you rather be if you're a receiver than at the end of round one? Uh, I think uh, Daniel had him with the Packers. You and I had him with the Chiefs. Mark, uh, unfortunately, has him with the Jets. So I'm really rooting against Mark in this situation um, because if he goes to the Jets, yeah, a lot of people go to the Jets and get swallowed up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you look at uh, what Kansas City's done over the years, and they don't shy away from adding firepower, even if they haven't. I mean, obviously Tyreek Hill's gone. They've done some retooling in that uh, receiver room, but uh, Jahan Dotson would be a pretty pretty darn good get for them, especially at that number thirty overall pick. They've got two picks in a row, I believe, or two picks, um, you know, within uh, a couple of picks of each other at the end of the first round. Obviously, they have some needs, but uh, Kansas City, man, you're not going to do much better. And, and I mean there's an argument there for green Bay and, and Aaron Rodgers, especially with Devonte Adams gone. But man, uh, if, if Jahan founds himself at the end of the first round, which I, I think he will, I do think he'll be a first round pick by the end of the day. Um, but, uh, that's an awesome situation, no matter where he lands in that, in that end. And by the way, your bucks pick down there as well, would not be an awful opportunity for him to go play with Chris Godwin and, and that other guy, uh, uh, Brady, whatever his name is. You know, I wrote down the Bucks first. Uh, I'm sure you're shocked by that. And then I reminded myself that they spent some significant money on Russell Gage, bringing him in from the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm sure Brady will be making the pick. So maybe he'll just override everybody and say, bring me Jahan Dotson. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, to be paired up with a 26-year-old Patrick Mahomes and, and for the Chiefs for four years of control on a manageable salary for a, a, a wide receiver, that's important for them. It, it could be a strong match. And obviously, we both feel that way. Uh, looking at the next player, and, and this is kind of how it goes when you look at the mock drafts, it's been Arnold Ebicady, it's been Jahan Dotson as the two guys projected most consistently in round one. I've got him going one pick after Jahan, number 31 to the Bengals. They did a really good job in free agency, giving Joe Burrow some supporting cast to move forward with. Um, defensively, uh, hey, stockpile up the edge rushers. They, they had some solid sack numbers last year, but uh, I've got Ebicady going to the Bengals and, and getting kind of a, a defensive-minded draft going for them. That'd be really cool. Uh, two first round picks in two consecutive years would obviously be quite a selling point for Penn State in the way that they've been able to build these guys up, especially for Jahan Dotson, who was a low four star guy in Ebicady, who was a transfer from Temple. So you, you th that tells you that development is is a strong point. We've seen that with the staff. Development's been a strong point. Um, I have him going high in the second round, 39th overall to the Bears. Um, the, the, the trick here is. And I've heard, you know, if you listen to the the talking heads, he's moving up and you've seen him like to the Titans in the 20s or, uh, you know, even at, at Kansas City in the, the end of the first round. Um, but when you get past that first round into the second round, you see, um, you know, team needs obviously change. You know, you've got uh, guys that need quarterbacks at the top of that second round, uh, people that will trade up for quarterbacks at the top of the second round. So I have him going to the Bears at 39. Of course, Khalil Mack's not there anymore. Great opportunity for him. I think he's going to make somebody very happy. I, I, like I said on Twitter the other day, I'd draft him. I mean, I wouldn't think twice about adding Arnold Abicati. Such a big splash this year as a transfer and a really, really terrific player. He's, he's going to, I think he's going to ding for his size and, you know, not an every down hold up against the run type guy, but he can get to the quarterback and there's so much value in that. 
when you look at what he did making that jump to Big Ten from game one, really from play one, I think it was on the road at Wisconsin. I mean, it was just seamless. And so I'm really curious to see what the next step looks like for him. And, you know, he's tucked away in Temple, no power five offers, hardly any FBS interest coming out of high school. And now we're talking about him as, as a fringe first round pick. And by the way, if that does come to fruition and you see multiple Nittany Lions end up in round one, something that has not been done for this program since 1995, 1996. So that's a major span of time. Um, being able to do that is something that you can bang the drum on in a lot of ways if you're the Nittany Lions. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And I've got Jaquan Brisker right on the edge of that first round too. I think there's, I envision him as being one of those top of the board kind of defenders. When you look at the day two, maybe some teams try to orchestrate a trade for a guy like him. They see a, a guy who can be a culture setter for their defense and uh, contribute in a lot of ways to safety. And, and certainly with that physicality, supporting the run, I've got him going to the New York Jets. So I feel like uh, he's the kind of guy they could use a jolt from defensively, uh, their head coach, their coaching staff. Uh, I think that they got to pivot a little bit to, to adding some new defensive leaders. And to me, when you talk about leadership and you talk about a player who can come in and contribute to your defensive backfield in a variety of ways, uh, Jaquan Brisker told us he can play six positions at the NFL level, and he thinks that he convinced a lot of coaching staffs of that. I've got him going number 35. So that would be three players in a six-pick span for Penn State. And uh, I've got a little bit of a wait for the next one, but that would be a hell of a run for Nittany Lions over the course of two different days. That would be awesome. Uh, I have him going 52nd overall to the Steelers. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I, I hope I'm probably I, – I think I'm probably further off with with Brisker than anybody in that top three um, because you look at what's there in the in the middle of the second round, and Brisker just does so many things right. I mean, you just uh, – there's it's tough to, to pinpoint a weakness in his game, whether he's the, you know, all-everything athlete that some of these safeties are, whether it's the size of Kyle Hamilton. Lewis Seen is obviously a tremendous uh, – uh, safety from Georgia. Um, but you look at the middle of the round and number one, I hope, hope to keep him away from the jets. I mean, let's just, let's just say that. And speaking of which, uh, Washington picks at 47. So, you know, I, I, that's where Daniel has him going to the Washington. And, and by the way, Mark Brennan with you 52 to the Steelers. Yeah. I, but you look, the Vikings need a safety at 46, the commanders at 47. That still sounds weird. The chiefs at 50, the Eagles at 51 and the Steelers at 52. It'll be really interesting to see that Eagles pick at 51 if they stay there and, and how that works out uh, with, uh, with the, cause it, I, I know a lot of Eagles fans, a lot of Eagles fans in my mentions want Jaquan Brisker and I don't blame them one bit. So, but I have him going to the hometown team at the Steelers at the 52. I don't know if he's still on the board at that point, but if he's still on the board at that point, and the Steelers are out there. I think Mike Tomlin steps up and grabs them. I've got Eagles fans uh, in my text inbox, including my father, uh, about the buzz <laughs> with Brisker uh, on the Philadelphia radio waves. Apparently, on a Thursday morning here, as, as uh, you know, we'll see. But I think whoever does land Brisker, um, there's a chance that he will be drafted too late, and, and I think he's going to have a chance to prove that over the, the 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 span of his rookie contract. Now, in terms of who's going to come off the board next, Sean. Uh, you know, this is where you can start to really get into a debate. Um, we've got a couple guys here in Rashid Walker, the offensive tackle and linebacker Brandon Smith, where you can kind of swing that pendulum one way or the other and, and trying to figure out where they land. Let's let's start with Brandon Smith, former five star prospect, a two year starter for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, I have him going into round four, the third pick of round four on day three to the Houston Texans. You've got him coming off the board a little bit earlier on Friday, round three, pick 38, 102 overall to the Miami Dolphins. So we're separated by a day here. But, Sean, we're, I've only got him going six picks later than you. Yeah, there's a bunch of compensatory picks at the end of the third round. Um, and Smith, I, I mean, if I'm going to do this and play my shtick the way that I have the entire uh, offseason, 
somebody's going to fall in love with uh, with Brandon Smith. I'll be interested to see if it's like a really smart franchise that's been able to do this with with people and stockpile people and and, and maybe get the most out of people. I know Daniel hasn't gone to the Ravens. I think it'd be great for him to play in a system like that, that where, you know, he, he could, you know, sit back and, and learn for some people and, and, and grow and continue to, to mature. I haven't gone to the dolphins, so I'm not really sure on that. You know, obviously Mike McDonald's coming in and, and doing his own thing. Uh, seems like a smart guy, but uh, we haven't seen any personnel development or anything like that from, from him as a head coach yet. Not obviously that's nothing, nothing he can control. Uh, but the Dolphins at pick 102 overall seems like a good spot. I know they need linebackers, and I, I know they don't pick early in the draft. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to address a lot of needs in the middle rounds, and that that one makes sense for the Dolphins right there. Yeah, and and so Mark has him going round four, pick 121, so 13 after I have him to the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and Daniel, people are probably like, who's Daniel? If you didn't catch the last episode, Daniel Gallen, who previously covered Penn State uh, for Penn Live, is now with uh, Lions 24-7 staff. He's got him going pick 100 and round three to the Baltimore Ravens. So between the four of us, Sean, we've got him going between 100 uh, and 121. So that's a really close range. So uh, if we're if we're way off, we're way off together on Brandon Smith, who, who I with you, it takes one coaching staff, one executive to convince himself that he is the answer to mold Brandon Smith to become this guy who capitalizes capitalizes on it. Maybe that happens, and five years down the road, we're saying, where was this Brandon Smith of Penn State? Maybe five years down the road, Brandon Smith is is kind of scrambling for a roster spot. We, it's It could go either way with him, and I think that's kind of the, the story of his draft experience. Now, Rasheed Walker, there's more unknown variables here. Uh, let's start with the fact that last time we saw him, he was watching Penn State's Pro Day. He was an observer at the scouting combine in Indianapolis. He was on crutches down the Outback Bowl in the last few games of his final year with Penn State. He was sidelined. So not the way we thought it would go for uh, Rasheed Walker in 2021, who this time last year we, we were talking about maybe he can climb into that first round territory. Um, again, he's somebody that I think maybe round three to five, that pendulum swings. Um, Daniel Gallon has him going with the 31st pick in round three to the Cincinnati Bengals. I've got him going 129 overall in the fourth round to the Dallas Cowboys. You've got him a little bit earlier, round four, pick six to the New York Jets. And then Mark Brennan wraps it up here. Uh, he's he's a little bit after me, 141st overall to the Baltimore Ravens. So three round four picks and one late round three. End of the you know, the moral of the story here is not where we thought Rasheed Walker will be mentioned in this draft a year ago. Yeah, two things here. Daniel's highest on every or is has the highest yes. pick on everyone, so he's trying to endear himself to the fan base, I believe. Um, but but with Walker, say say everything you said about Brandon Smith and just repeat it. I mean, you, somebody's going to take a chance on this guy. Enormous potential. Um, I, you know, obviously working, not working out at the combine and pro day because of the injury is going to ding him, but there are so few offensive tackles, especially in that middle round. If you can find a guy that you think can potentially be a starter for you. Now I will say this, you've got him going to the Cowboys. Mark has him going to the Ravens. Good fits there. Cause he could have time to develop time to do something like that. I have him going to the Jets. And as much as I, you know, this is, a, this has become a Jets bashing podcast. And <laughs> I, and I say that as a Washington fan. So uh, but I, you know, it's it's a situation where everybody's looking for an offensive tackle. Rasheed Walker can play. He's shown that in the past. Uh, still think his best football is ahead of him, as I said uh, earlier this week. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think there's a wide range of where he could be drafted. But uh, with tackle being at a premium, and four, I think four or five of those guys going off the board in the first round, it's gonna find you're gonna find yourself uh, scrounging for tackles by the middle of uh, what was the end of day. No, I guess the start of day three. Sorry, I'm, gonna parap- got me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing here a bit, but you and I both had 
very similar commentary on Tariq Castro Fields and saying that the way Nittany Lions fans right now, you close your eyes and you remember his five years here, probably not as good as he actually was for the Nittany Lions here. Uh, And and I think that's going to project a little bit looking at his NFL draft stock, Sean, because he had, I mean, quietly, I feel like put together some really strong testing numbers over the course of this draft process at the NFL combine. And again, at the pro day, he had the sub four, four, 40 yard dash out in Indianapolis. Uh, He had a a really strong vertical number, I believe uh, at pro day. Um, And with him, I think the coverage skills are there. You know, he knows he has to answer the bell uh, and be a guy who tackles people. But right now you got to get covered. You got to be able to cover because teams are just airing the hell out of the football and throwing a bunch of wide receivers on the field. I think that Tariq Castro fields is going to have a really good chance to stick in this league for a while. The one thing that concerns me a little bit is his availability because that popped up and that was a detriment during his Penn State career. I've got him going 138th overall in round four, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, You've got him going uh, not too far later to the Dallas Cowboys round five, 155 overall. Yeah, and it's worth noting, none of us see each other's picks before we send them to mm-hmm. Mark and he puts this thing together. So to for him to be to range from Daniel at 129 to me at 155, I, I'm shocked by that because I have no idea, no idea where Tariq Castro feels is going to go. Um, he's got size. He's got athleticism tested really well. He's got experience. Um, he doesn't have takeaway numbers and he's got that mark against him with injuries. He's, he's ended the last two seasons as, as a banged up player. And again, I'll say I'll say it again. He was pretty good player for Penn state. Even if people won't remember him as such, that secondary was, I I guess when you look at a secondary, you're looking for a weak link. And I don't think he was a weak link at all, but he was the guy that was not involved as much. So you're going to forget about some of that. Um, You know, you look at some of the corners Penn state's put in the league. Amani's with Detroit having a great career so far, but he did have the, he did have those takeaway numbers. He did get his name on the stat sheet a little bit more. So I think they'll ding him. I think somebody's going to find him, you know, fourth, fifth round, uh, see that athleticism, that size, um, you know, that, that explosive, those explosive testing numbers that he put up and, and be happy taking a flyer on Castro fields. Cause he's also a guy that can play special teams as well. Yeah, the splash plays weren't there. I mentioned Oro Warrior. Yeah, you can think of a few. The, the game sealer against uh, Appalachian State in overtime t- t- is one that stands to mind. I think when you think of Castro Fields and pivotal plays, sometimes you think of ones that maybe worked against Penn State in some key moments just because that's the nature of the position a lot of times, that cornerback. And it's actually three straight seasons, Sean, where three Castro Fields wasn't health healthy and fully available okay. for you. Remember 2019, back in 19, Terry Smith said he, he felt like he was watching a future first round pick. And he said the second half of that season, we, we saw it on the road at Minnesota. That was a big moment, um, but never quite able to play uh, consistently be available consistently for all those reps. And fortunately for the Nittany Lions, they've been able to build really strong depth at the cornerback position. So it didn't bite them too badly. Yeah. And that and you, you mentioned 2019. I'd forgotten all about that, that, that pick early in the year uh, against Maryland that just started the waterfall going the other direction. Um, you know, he's, he's made some plays in his career. He's, he's played a lot of football in his career, but yeah, towards the end of his, towards the end of his tenure here, those injuries are going to stack up against him, unfortunately. And, but luckily he was, he was able to get out and test well and, and do things this off season. He's going to impress people um, with his football acumen as well. So for those keeping track at home, we've got six Penn State players drafted through the early portion of round five, you and I, Sean. Uh, let's move on to Jesse Lucetta. Um, we're we're pretty far off on this one. I, I'm sure people are stunned that I was the highest the on first, Jesse Lucetta's right? yeah. draft stock. But hey, it's five years in the making for that. So I've got him going to the New England Patriots uh, with the 158th overall pick, which is uh, you know about 14 picks into round five. And so I think Jesse Lucetta left campus at a really interesting 
point in his football development. Uh, you know, we got that glimpse into what he could be as a potential edge defender. And, and I'd love to see more of that. I would have been great to see more of that at Penn state. I completely understand why he left and it made sense. Uh, but we saw three linebacker, three years of linebacker play that didn't wow you. So you're kind of, you know, that plus the lack of explosive testing numbers and, and the speed issue, you know, he was injured in the 40 yard dash at Indian in Indianapolis. He didn't get another one on the record. The speed's a question mark at the athleticism's a question mark, but I, I do think Jesse Lucetta is going to get a chance and, and, Considering who this guy is, I, I really like his shot to, to stick on a roster come September. The overanalysis of the offseason is something that I think has has stymied his his trajectory. You look at coming out of the season, he was doing really well. Senior Bowl doing really well. Got into the combine, was excited to run a 4-6 or whatever, and then got hurt um, because the questions about his athleticism had been around for a long time. And this was a guy that showed up running in the four nines for Penn State as a linebacker and you know, eventually made his mark as an edge rusher. So the versatility is great. The production last year was, was great as well. But those athletic questions are going to be something that dings him because when you're playing in a league where everybody's big and fast, you better be pretty darn big, pretty darn fast and, and be able to run. So I think, unfortunately, I think that's going to ding him. But you find a spot uh, where guys have value like that, special teams, uh, the versatility with the linebacker and the edge. I look at a guy like Dan Campbell who values those sort of things. I have him going at round uh, round six, pick two, number 181 overall to the Lions. Uh, he certainly likes his Penn State guys as well. Um, so hopefully, uh, you know, for for, uh, for a kid uh, uh, from Ottawa playing in Detroit, I think it would be a pretty good opportunity for him playing with Kabinda, playing with uh, Amani, and and doing that thing that thing where they continue to uh, to produce. But you might reference him as the heir apparent as the Lions fullback, but uh, you didn't go down that road. I thought uh, about so that, I actually, yeah, <laughs> he could do, he could do it. I have no com or no uh, no confidence that he couldn't. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe he takes Kabinda's job one day. But I think Kabinda, he's 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 not ready to let that one go. No, he hold that hold that one as long as he can. Um, by the way, Mark Brennan also has him in round five to the New York Giants. Daniel Gallon has him in round five to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so three in round five. Sean's got him early round six. And let's get to the specialist because we don't often talk about this come draft time. Uh, Penn State. Uh, what's that? <laughs> I said, you oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, right. uh, so Daniel Gallon got him going the highest. Uh, pick number 166 in round five to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, go a little bit further down. Mark Brennan's got him going pick 172, just six picks later to the San Francisco 49ers, going to a, a very Penn State-centric special specialist unit out there. You've got him in round five, too. So you've actually got him ahead of Jesse Lucetta in terms of the pecking order for Penn State players. I'll let you start off here. Los Angeles Rams, pick number 175. Remarkable for a punter where the, the range could be, what, fourth round to undrafted, uh, which I don't think Jordan Stout's going to be undrafted. But we, we are all 16 picks apart, which is pretty remarkable. Um, the Rams did just sign a free agent punter, but, I mean, you, you have an opportunity to grab the, the number one punter in the draft. Um, pretty uh, pretty obvious that they could bring him in, at least compete in camp. Um, I looked at where the top punters have gone in the last several years, fourth to, to sixth. Um, so I think Jordan Stout going 175 overall to the Rams may be a little bit high, but uh, you know I think he's talented. And really a bittersweet week because you think about all the times that we have referenced that Jordan Stout was not a scholarship guy for Virginia Tech and they could not find a scholarship for him at Virginia Tech. 
I mean, that's going to end all soon. I mean, he's going to be a pro soon. We're not going to be able to talk about that. So really just a, a tough, tough way to go out uh, for that reference, but uh, happy for Jordan. I think he can be the top punter in the draft. I know um, the San Diego State kid um, is going to get a lot of the pub, but in terms of distance control, uh, you know, directional kicking, kicking off and doing those things like that. Jordan Stout does a lot of things well, and I'm, I, I'd be interested to see how close that gap is between number one and number two, whoever whoever is number one. Yeah, and until Arnold Evicade showed up and balled out last year, Jordan Stout was the, the premier pickup in the transfer portal for Penn State to this point. Um, and, and I've got him lingering just a little bit longer, second pick, uh, a third pick, I'm sorry, of round six. So actually one pick after you have Lucetta going, I've got Stout heading to the New York Giants. And I just think because of that versatility he displayed, um, not that you want to trust him as your primary field goal kicker, but he can he can give you some wiggle room on your roster. Injuries pop up. I guess COVID's not so much of a thing that they have to deal with in the NFL anymore, but roster spots are so precious. And I think Jordan's, Jordan Stout, teams are going to see, he may be able to free you one up over the course of a season because of what he can do. Um, so now we're getting to the point now uh, through seven guys, it, it's getting pretty dicey. Uh, actually, that is eight guys now, Sean. I should say Dotson, Ebikati, Brisker, Smith, Walker, Castro Fields, Luketa, and Stout. Okay, so those are my eight. I'm done. I've got nobody going in round seven. Uh, and obviously, you're not quite there yet. We mentioned you had a ninth player off the board, and I think we all know who it is. Yes, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for any sort of time, Derek Tangelo is my guy. I mean, he's been awesome for Penn State. I know that people don't notice him because he is a defensive tackle. He made everybody behind him look better. He made everybody beside him look better this year and was a really, really valuable player for Penn State. We, we look back a year ago at this time and say, why is Penn State getting a defensive tackle for the portal? They've got numbers. I don't think I, I think he exceeded all expectations on this podcast internally in that building really happy to to have watched Congo for one year. He's a guy that, you know, anybody in that building will give up, you know, a, a letter of recommendation for just really well thought of. And then when you get to the end of the draft, I have him going in the seventh round, pick 34, 255 overall. The Chargers have, I think, four four picks in the seventh and they need help on their defensive line. It makes sense to take a, a, a chance on a 300 pounder that can move. I think he ran in the four nines at his pro day. Um, he's got good tape. He's got a lot of experience and uh, you know, whether he's a pro guy long-term, if he's, if he's that level of athlete, I don't know, but I would take a chance on Derek Tangelo. I would draft Derek Tangelo late. Um, and I would not think twice about it. It was a four, eight, nine at 296 pounds at pro day, Sean. Hey. So obviously a strong showing for him there. Um, and yeah, undersold and him. Yeah. this was the guy for, yeah, this was the guy uh, that, that I was on the fence about. I thought about diving in with you and finding a round seven spot for him. I ended up going the undrafted free agent route. So did Mark Brennan. Um, he would be, the next guy, if I was going to list it in any line, Daniel Gallon's got him going 10 picks earlier than you, 245 overall to the New England Patriots. Um, I think we were all on agreement with Ellis Brooks. So I'm just going to double check that. We all have Ellis Brooks, linebacker for Penn State, 100 tackles last year, two-year starter at middle linebacker, going on drafted as well. Um, this is a guy, Sean, that, that last year wasn't healthy for much of the season, had that cast because of a thumb issue. Um, highly productive. Uh, easily his most productive season as a Penn State player, but 
there are obviously some athletic limitations here at the next level. And there were some athletic limitations at this level. Um, but he's a guy that I think will at the very least have some ample practice squad opportunities uh, as guys try to find a home in that August, September transitional period. Yeah. He'll, he'll get some calls, um, played a lot of football, was very productive, um, played through injury, did some really nice things, but yeah, you're right. When you're playing this game with, uh, with elite athletes, uh, it, you know, it's, it's tough to uh, put yourself up there unless you are an elite athlete yourself. Brooks coming up a little bit short on that. So I think he's going to find a spot to, uh, to, to uh, work out in camp. But at the, at the end of the day, I don't think he gets drafted. Um, you know, it's, a, it's unfortunate because he's been a, you know, a, a solid player for a long, long time. But when you think about how many drafts pick slots there are, you think about how many really, really good college football players there are, it kind of makes sense. It's the unfortunate uh, reality of this draft situation. Um, hopefully, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully he goes. Um, but the unfortunate reality is there's a lot of good players that will be looking for homes uh, at the end of the day uh, or at the end of the weekend. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, so Saturday as we're kind of uh, as the draft wraps up and you're trying to monitor who's landing where in the undrafted free agency, some other names to, to keep tabs on from Penn State. Uh, Eric Wilson uh, spent much of his career at Harvard, came in, was the starting left guard last year for, for the Nittany Lions, uh, and now he's off. Uh, and now uh, the other is Drew Hartlob, which certainly four two two forty yard dash turns a lot of heads. People wanted to go that, that Dancha Senna route. Now you stand him next to Dancha Senna on a football field. These are two very different looking athletes, but. Hey, that speed component's there. And Drew Hartlob sounds like he's itching to let somebody maybe let him go run some routes and try his hand at receiver. So keep that in mind as well. A guy who obviously got it done as a gunner in special teams for Penn State, but he was listed as a safety there. Uh, sounds like he's interested at least, and I think that's coming from probably some dialogue with guys at the next level. You know, going through the cliches, uh, he's just looking for a chance. You know, he's he's been doubted his entire life. Small guy. Uh, I, this, is, this is one of the things that when I was looking at that list, I remember him as a freshman at, at camp. He was tiny, uh, but he could fly. Um, he could absolutely fly. I think he had he went over ten foot in the broad jump as a freshman or a sophomore, and that kind of caught our attention potentially as a walk on. There's certain benchmarks when you're taking a look at testing numbers where you know if you jump over ten foot, if you broad jump over ten foot, somebody's somebody's going to be paying attention to you. Um, and he was able to do that. And the speed stands out. Doesn't have a lot of tape at safety or anything like that, but was phenomenal as a gunner, as a special teams player. Um, and, and I agree, somebody's going to at least give him a chance in camp to get in there. And I don't know if they're going to sign him as a receiver or sign him as a safety, but sign him as a special teams guy and, and see him work through the preseason. I'm, I'm excited to see him get that opportunity because he certainly earned it. 
Uh, so I think that's 11 names we just went through. We've, I've got eight of them getting drafted. Sean's got nine of them getting drafted. We'll see how it sorts out. The draft gets underway Thursday night into Friday into Saturday. A full coverage of that. and We'll have stories up as each of these guys get picked up by their next franchise um, up on lines247.com. Sean, just a few other notes to sort through uh, from this week. Penn State put out a 2023 offensive line offer. Uh, I caught up with him, Hun School offensive lineman Logan Howland, but he was neither with the Hun School nor an offensive lineman last year. He's playing tight end, and this is a pretty fascinating recruitment that has popped up here. He's got four official visits already locked in. He was at Oklahoma spring game, profile very much on the rise, hoping to commit before this uh, season and planning on taking all of his officials this spring told me that this offer made Penn State instantly the front runner to land his final official visit. Uh, and he's been to campus a couple times already. Yeah, it was most recently on campus for a junior day in January. He's got that legit size, uh, one of those reclassifying kids, so probably a year older. Um, it be interesting to see because you look at this time of year and there are a lot of guys, still, even still in the 2023 class, they're going to pop up with new offers and you'll be like, where, where did that come from? Even in the region. Um, but he got offered by Oklahoma over the weekend when he visited there and that's going to you know, cause people to go back over the tape, uh, check out their evaluations and see what, see what's going on. So um, I think that'll be a really interesting one to watch because he does have the side, the size, he does have athleticism. He's been on campus before he knows kind of the, the ins and outs, but uh, I think there's some really interesting prospects as coaches go on the road uh, in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a lot of those situations where you're going to see offers flying out and a guy like you, you look at a guy um, like the 2025 offensive lineman from Tom's River uh, that Penn State offered uh, yesterday, and the name's slipping my mind right now. But uh, you look at Ohio State, Texas A&M, all those came in a batch, and it's been four or five months since this guy played football. So what's happening now? Coaches are getting out. They're getting to see these guys work out. A lot of the schools, at least the schools that know what's going on, have these workouts for coaches where they get an opportunity uh, to showcase their athleticism in front of them. And that, that's that's your chance to get a spot in line. As we said, uh, you know, it's an offer means a heck of a lot uh, different is a heck of a lot different than what it used to mean. Um, so now you're just putting yourself in position to get a visit, to get this guy on campus and to continue your and further your evaluation. So that's the type of, uh, that's where we're at on this calendar at this calendar, excuse me. Um, so you're going to see a lot, uh, maybe not a lot of offers like Howland, but a lot of guys like that that are coming onto the radar. Logan Howland, who we've got listed at lines at 24 seven sports, uh, six foot seven, 280 pounds, um, not yet rated or ranked by 24 seven sports. That kind of puts the context, the, some context to where his recruitment is right now. He was a tight end last year. He was at Westfield high school. Um, now at the Hun school. And as you just mentioned, reclassifying from 2022 to 2023 between his background at tight end and, and on the basketball court, there's, I mean, there's some compelling stuff involved here with this recruitment. We'll see where it goes and if Penn State's able to get him on campus. Those other four official visits, by the way, he's going back to Oklahoma. He's going to head to Miami. He's going to head to Iowa and he's going to Vanderbilt. All of those are set to occur in June. And again, he's eyeing a preseason commitment um, ahead of his senior year. So keep tabs on him. Um, transfer portal news about outgoing guys, uh, guys that have been gone. Uh, we're not part of that updated roster back in January. And then we saw them subsequently enter the transfer portal daniel george wide receiver anthony wiggin offensive lineman both headed to akron uh, joe moorhead of course year one head coach over there former penn state offensive coordinator 
didn't cross paths with these guys while they were Penn State players, but uh, Daniel George committed to the program when Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator. And, and obviously there's a lot of connections still in place and, converse, and, and communication still in place uh, between Joe Moorhead and, and, and those who would know what these guys are all about. So good luck to both of them. Um, it, it didn't pan out uh, for Daniel George is a guy that I think we were both you know, compelled by on, on both sides of the ball when he was in high school. Uh, he stuck at wide receiver throughout his career at Penn State. He played a lot of football, a lot of it on special teams. He was in every game last year, but did not record a catch. And, and in one of the strangest kind of career juxtapositions, he has the longest touchdown reception in Penn State history, 95 yards in the third game of his college career from then back up Sean Clifford. That was the only time he reached the end zone in a Nittany Lions uniform. Going to be a hell of a trivia answer for somebody down the road. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, Joe Moorhead trying to stock up on on FBS talent, uh, you know, do, you know, power five talent. Uh, these guys, obviously, I think they have something to give. I'll be interested to see. Daniel George, phenomenal athlete, just uh, could, could never uh, catch on uh, at receiver. And then Anthony Wigan, who I talked about uh, a week or two ago, Everybody needs offensive linemen, so you might might as well give it a shot. Joe didn't coach these guys uh, firsthand, but I'm sure he knows enough people and got the uh, got the right uh, sort of letters of recommendation and, and such. Yeah, which says something about what Wigan and, and George, what, what they how they represented themselves here at Penn State. Um, and, and by the way, uh, Wigan down to his last year, three years at Lackawanna or two years at Lackawanna, three at Penn State. Bonus eligibility from the COVID. Daniel George, believe it or not, two more years of eligibility at the college level. He redshirted in 2018. Everybody got the red shirt in 2020. Yeah, so Daniel George could be playing college football through the 2023 season. There's going um, to be a lot of dudes like that just to pop lot. up. I saw uh, what the Otman Bell from Minnesota popped up a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, he's still there. my age. Yeah, yeah so um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of those guys that pop up in the next couple of years. One more thing, keep an eye on Friday on that athletic director's situation. We talked about that last episode, Boston College's Patrick Kraft is the man in the crosshairs. Uh, indications are that this could be a done deal by the time we get to the weekend. So full coverage of that on lines247.com as Sandy Barber gets set for her summer retirement after uh, just about nine years here, eight years uh, with, with the uh, with the university. All right, Sean, um, it's time. Is it? Is it it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah I, no, I think it, it has to be. To be. <laughs> we, yeah, the countdown clock hit zero just now. So go ahead, buddy. All right. So this is this is my final week of 24-7 sports. Um, it's been – I like the graphic there, Lance. Nice job. It's been uh, the ride of a lifetime. It's been one of, one of the pleasures of a lifetime. I, I love this company. I love the people that I've worked for, the people that I've worked with. Uh, Tyler, especially, uh, you've been incredible. Um, you know, things, things change. I, I, I'm – I'm not going to get into the next steps or anything like that, but I'm very fortunate to have been a part of building this company, a part of build, building lines 24 seven, a part of establishing this podcast back uh, with Andrew Callahan years ago and continuing it on with, uh, with, with Tyler and uh, you know, working with guys like Jeff Rice and working with guys like Mark Brennan, uh, working with the recruiting team, the absolute best recruiting team in the business with Steve Wilfong and Alan True and Brian Doan. And uh, I'm still going to hear from Doan every day, I'm sure. But uh, 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 Andrew Ivins, just the list does not stop. The guys in Nashville, Kevin Ryan, Pat Foley, um, you know, I'm sort of blubbering on because I don't know what else to say because it's been such an amazing ride. Um, but I'm excited for, uh, the future, uh, future for my family. Um, it's, it, it's really, uh, something that, that I'll address at a later date, but this, uh, 
this site, this network, this uh, podcast that means the world to me uh, because of the people, because of the people that we've been able to interact with over the last several years, whether you listen, whether you click and read and post, whether you come up to me at a tailgate and say, I've been a member for all 12 years and I've got two posts. Uh, you, you guys are the best, by the way. Um, it, it's been really something, uh, something special and just one of, as I said, one of the greatest joys of my life um, to be able to do what I've done for this long. And, uh, it's just really incredibly overwhelming at this point. Uh, not a decision that I came to easily. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited for, uh, the 24 seven sports as a network. I'm excited for, uh, Tyler and his growing family to watch him become a father is, has been so incredible. Um, I just, I can't say enough about the last 12 years as my voice starts to crack. I can't say enough about the last 12 years. Can't say enough about everybody that's been involved in this. Uh, I'm really going to miss everything that we do uh, and have done because I think we've done it the right way. I think we've done it at a professional level. I think we've done it at a personal level. We've gotten to know so many of these people and it's just been the thrill of a lifetime, the joy of a lifetime. And I'm, I'm gratefully, I'm forever indebted to, to anybody that's ever, uh, taken in our product, taken in what we have to say and, and believed in us. And I think it's been a, it's been a really special run. Yeah. You put in a ton of effort to this brand. I got a sneak peek into that the last four years. Um, and, and it's, it's been pretty amazing to see the inner workings behind the machine, how it all works out at lines 24 seven. And, uh, obviously just tremendous gratitude for you welcoming me in a Rutgers guy, uh, to the site, uh, four years ago. And, and I think a lot of, uh, fond memories from this podcast, maybe not as fond when it's two 30 AM and you're listening to me talk in circles about what happened in the Penn state game hours before, but those late, those late night post game podcasts and, and some of those pandemic, podcast where we were sitting down and being like what the hell are we supposed to tell people like you know recruiting shut down penn state's off campus and yet we still kept cranking out episodes every week and uh, we made it through so man um just tremendously grateful i'm glad i got to be in the trenches with you when we got hit by a pandemic in the sports industry and, and what we do it was a scary time and we weathered the storm we came out the other side stronger and i'm really thrilled for you and your family uh wishing you everything that's great and what's next and uh we'll be seeing you around yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, it's uh, it, it's been a dream job, um, and it's been it's been really incredible. And like I said, working with you, working with Mark, um, working with the, the the folks that came before you, um, working with Andrew Dorita for twelve years, uh, been awesome. And again, that recruiting team can't say enough about them. Can't say enough about twenty four seven sports. Uh, it's a great company. It's a uh, you know a, a, a very very positive company. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, I know that uh, I was talking to you. I'm going to have to figure out a way to keep my Paramount Plus, um, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure all that out offline. But uh, thank you, heartfelt, absolute heartfelt thank you to everyone who's ever consumed anything that we've done because uh, you guys are are what has given us the chance to to live the dream to 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 live out this life, and it's been it's been absolutely awesome give our listeners a chance to pick their jaws off the floor. Although I, I know by the time this is aired, it, you've put it out there on the message board. You put it out there on social media. Uh, but, but Sean, um, we're going to come back with a podcast next week. You won't be on it. It's going to be strange. We're going to adjust. Uh, it, it's a good, great time of the year for this kind of a transition. I'll say that, but we'll focus on that next week. Just want to say uh, best of luck to you. Uh, a lot of love for you and your family. And uh, uh, thanks for riding, riding alongside with me here on the podcast for the last four years, buddy. 
Hey, thank you. Uh, great things ahead for your staff. Great things ahead for, for your site. Uh, again, support Tyler, support to Mark. Welcome to Daniel uh, and, and anybody else that, that will join onto this site uh, because it's uh, a tremendous production and you guys are you guys are the best. For producer Lance Glenn, I'm going to let Sean Fitz off the hook with a five-star mailbag this time. We'll talk to we'll talk to him down the road. This is the last time on this podcast. Uh, I'm Tyler Donahue. Uh, strange times. We'll keep going. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, in the meantime, Mr. Fitz, enjoy yourself this weekend. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.